And this past week, I saw a story about a young woman who lost her job as a sideline reporter because of some social media posts she made when she was in high school. And I, yeah. But in the 10 years or so, in the 10 years or so since um, she was out of high school, she graduated college. Yeah, I guess I should have put this on. Huh? Get us to the uh, slide that says go for the children's church. There we go. Now it worked. All right. And uh, uh, thanks. At least one of us is paying attention, Andrew. I appreciate that. Um, so anyway, you know, in the 10 years or so since she had graduated from high school, she got this job as a reporter. And, you know, from what I read, she has lived a life that really shows uh, that she uh, has a much different view from those she expressed in high school. And uh, yet she was fired for social media posts she made while she was in high school. And I was reading that, and I, I thought, um, I am sure glad I am not being held you know, to all of my views and actions and the stupid things I did when I was in high school. Um, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. In fact, when it comes to Christ, he doesn't even hold me responsible for the stupid things I did this past week. Um, we have a very unforgiving society, but we have a very forgiving Lord. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, you know, having new life in Christ uh, is just that, new life. My past is forgiven, and God no longer holds my past against me. When I come to him, he no longer holds my past against me. I hope, I hope that we are all able to rejoice in that by the end of our service here today. Let's pray together. Father, we need these reminders. We need these reminders that we see in your word that we that we uh, share even with one another of what it means to be forgiven. Uh, there's enough going on in this world that beats us down. Uh, we don't need to beat ourselves down. We need to be reminded of what a great God you are. We need to be reminded of the forgiveness that is ours in you. We need to be reminded of what a difference it makes to be yours, to be uh, living in you, with you, to, to know that we are forgiven by you. What a great gift all of this is. So open our minds and hearts to you as we look into your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. If you want to turn there or get there, if you're in the Pew Bible, it's page 1084. If it's on your phone, it's somewhere else. So uh, just look in whatever you look into, get us there. We're going to drop down. We're going to start with verse 8 of chapter 2. So anyway, ready? Here we go. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of the Messiah. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God 
who raised him from the dead. Now, we ended last week with verse 8, but as we've mentioned pretty much every week, this is one flowing letter to help us grasp a little bit better the, you know, the flow of it there. I think you can see where verse 8 goes right into those verses that follow. You know, so he tells us, verse 8, to be careful, see that no one takes you captive, that nobody leads you away from your living in Christ, that no one leads you away from your walking in Christ, that no one leads you away from following Christ. You know, whatever kind of arguments or teachings, philosophies that deny Christ Jesus or any of his teachings are not going to benefit you. They are not going to, they are not going to be of help for you. You know, some of them might seem to play on logic, some might seem to play on reason, but without Christ they are lacking, they are incomplete. You know, they may have some truth and partial truth can sometimes be a dangerous thing, but when we have, when we, when we take them all and we bring in Christ and we, you know, we see how he fits in and, and what role this all has there, it helps us, you know, to understand. We need to be careful of anyone who is coming to conclusions by ignoring the fact and the reality of Christ, by ignoring, you know, Christ Jesus crucified. If they ignore that, you know, then, then it's not, it's not really going to, it's not really truth in its entirety. Now we covered that uh, last week, you know, but it takes us right into verse nine and verse nine is a verse you need to understand. You really do. Look what he says. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. He starts with the word for. For, you know, because uh, the reason you are to be careful not to be taken captive. Don't be taken captive for. Don't be taken captive because, you know, well, anything, any argument that leads you away from Christ, don't be taken captive by any of those because the entire fullness of God's nature dwells in him. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in him. That phrase, the, the, the entire fullness, it is a phrase, it's a phrase that means complete, the entirety, nothing at all missing, no empty spaces, the totality, the completeness of all things. What he is telling us here is the completeness of all things pertaining to God reside in Christ. <coughs> that all that, 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 that there is nothing of God that is myth, missing. Nothing necessary for him to be God is missing in the person of Christ. There is not one thing missing in the person of Christ that needs to be there for him to be God. Those that say, you know, that, that, that Christ Jesus is not God, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, like the Mormons, like the Muslims, like the Christian science, like the Scientologists, like atheism, they are misled and they are misleading others because they deny Christ. He is much more than an inspired prophet. He is so much more than a good teacher. He is far beyond a supernatural being. He is not a God in progress. He is God complete and he is completely God. The fact that others don't recognize him or the fact that others deny his being does not change the fact and the reality that he is God. Because he is denied by some. And he is God in his totality and in the totality that is God. 
That is who Jesus is. That is what this verse is telling us. You know, that he is the totality of God with all his powers, with all his attributes, with all his nature. The entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, it says. He is fully God and fully man. And his incarnation is he became man. He was fully man, but he still is fully God and is still fully God. Right in line with what we read in Philippians. It says, make make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. That word translated form, existing in the form of God, it means the nature or the essence, not in the abstract, but as an actually present in the individual and retained for as long as that person is alive. And he is still alive. And he is still God. He was God then. He was God when he came to before he came to earth. He was God when he came to earth and he remains God now that he is no longer physically here on this earth. The form of God, that divine nature actually and inseparably existing in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what they are telling us here in, in Philippians. It's that same truth. We read in Colossians 2.9, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. That verse is saying that that Christ Jesus is the very substance of God in his incarnation. He is the very substance of God. He is God himself in the incarnation. Not simply like God. Not simply representing God. He is God himself in bodily form that is what he is saying that he is god himself in bodily form you know that the that the entire the entire fullness of god's nature dwells bodily in christ the very substance of god in his incarnation and it goes on it says and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority now remember paul is addressing the church he is addressing and speaking to those with a relationship with Christ. Those who have come to Christ for salvation. Those who have come to him for forgiveness and with the sincere intent to live for him. You know, that, that's what we're talking about. That's that sincere intent to live for him. Again, are we doing it perfectly? No, not, that, that's not what it is. It's that, it's that sincere intent you know, and drive to live for him. Coming to him for forgiveness. You know, and the people here with a relationship with Christ, he's tell, he tells them, he tells us, You know, that we have been filled by him. We have been filled by Christ Jesus himself. We have been filled by him. Notice, past tense, have been. Something that's already accomplished. This is not something we're waiting for. When we come to Christ and when we come to him for salvation, we have been, we are filled. We then are filled through by the Spirit, you know, with Christ. Most other translations, you know, word this as in him rather than by him. Now, both are accurate as far as this, the meaning of the word goes. Both of those are accurate. But I think in the context of these verses and the focus on, on Christ, I like the connection that the Holman Christian makes, you know, that, that it is by what Christ has done, not by anything that we have done. It's by what he has done. We are filled by him. And you are in him, but you are filled by him, you see. It is by what he has done. It's not because we chose to be in Christ, but rather that that Christ determined to be in those who are his. 
the action is speaks of here is related to Christ and what Christ has done. That he has filled us. You have been filled by him, by what he has done. You have been filled by that. It's because of Christ's actions, not because of ours, that we've been filled. Uh, the one who's got himself has filled us, and he told us that he would. In John chapter 17, he's talking to his followers, and he says, I have given them, as he's praying, he's, he's, offer, he's offering a prayer in, in John 17. You want to talk about the Lord's Prayer. There's the Lord's Prayer, John chapter 17. Read it. Not right now. Do it later. Write it on the back of your hand in the inquiry. John uh, seven, John chapter 17, and then, then you'll get it. But part of what he says there is, he's praying, he says, I have given them, speaking of his followers, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may brought, be brought to complete unity. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. He was talking and he was praying then, and the promise then we see here in Colossians talks about that fulfillment. You know, in him we have been filled, made complete, brought to fullness. Some of the translations say, in Christ Jesus, that means we have everything necessary to live for him and to live with him. We have everything necessary, right? Because he lives in us. There is no need for secret ceremonies. Now, some of these. Uh, religions that I mentioned earlier have secret ceremonies. The people that Paul was writing to in Colossians, what was being promoted to them was secret ceremonies that they needed to have to, to get to this higher knowledge. And what he's telling them is there's no need for any of this. There is nothing being withheld until you reach a certain level. God is not withholding anything from us. Are there things we don't understand? Yes. Do we understand more now than we did before? Yes, we do. Why? Well, that's because of us. Not because God didn't make it available to us. It's because our mind wasn't able to grasp at that particular point. You know, but then we get to the place where we, where we begin to learn more. But there's no need to earn what he has already given us. He has given us himself. Now, you will reach the end of your power. We all do. You will reach the end of your power, but you will never exhaust or reach the end of Christ Jesus' power. You will never exhaust it. He has given you everything necessary for you to live for him right where you are. Right where you are right now and what you're in the midst of. You will have days when you're tired and weary and you can lean on his strength because he has given you everything necessary to stand strong and to live for him right where you are. Right what you're in the midst of. He has given, because of his presence in you, you think, well, I can't do this. Great. Let him do it. Lean on him and what he has done and who he is. There'll be situations where you lack wisdom. Ask God, because guess what? He knows what to do. I've told you before, you need to remember, God is not one bit surprised about what you're in the midst of. He is not one bit surprised about what you're going through. 
He knows those, he knows those physical challenges that you're in the midst of. He knows those spiritual battles you're in the midst of. He knows those arguments you have with yourself. And he knows all this. And what he has done is he has given you himself and he has given you everything necessary to make it through right where you are. It's not when I do this, then I'll start living for him. It's not when I accomplish this. It's not when this is over. It is right in the midst of where you are that God has given you himself so that you can live for him right now. Get rid of your excuses. Get rid of your excuses. Of why you can't do it. Realize that he knew that. And that's why you have been filled by him. And he brings that power that you need with him when he fills his people. Because it is part and parcel of who he is. He is not waiting for us to accomplish anything he accepts us. We are fully accepted by God because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. He knows not only what you're facing today, he also knows what you went through in your past. He knows your past. And he loves you anyway. He knows what you're in the midst of today. And he still accepts you. He knows what is coming in your future. And he still except He told Peter, you're going to deny me. You are going to deny me three times, buddy. He didn't say, get out of here. He said, I've prayed for you. The enemy wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He knew Peter was going to deny him. He knew Peter's past, he knew Peter's present, and he knew Peter's future, that he was going to deny him, and yet he still reached out to him in love. He still loved him. He still. And afterwards, what did he do? He came to Peter. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I do, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. You see, he came to him. Why? He knew, because he gave him everything. He was fully accepted by Christ, even though he, Christ knew what he was going to do. He was still fully accepted by him. He will not turn you away because you're a sinner. He died for sinners. That's what we just celebrated in communion. He died for sinners. He still accepts you because of what he has done. He will not turn his back on you because you've messed up. He'll help you get up again and walk with him. We talked about this last week. Get up again. Get up and walk with him because he still accepts you. He's not looking for you to follow regulations and laws to be made clean. He accepts you and wants you to follow him. Galatians chapter 2. For through the law I have died to the law. So that I might live for God. So I might be transformed. So my life will be different. So that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And there's the picture of coming and living, you know. Don't, don't be overwhelmed by your deficiencies. Instead, yield to his sufficiencies, to what he will do. Follow him. Live in him and by him. You know, and what he is, make that choice to be the person he has called you to be and to make the choices that he has laid before you that are in line with him in his life and his living and you will see the power of God at work in your life. You have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You see, he has the right, he has the power, he has the ability that nothing and no one can stop. He is the head over every ruler and authority. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about this. He says, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the glorious riches in his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his vast strength. Not our weakness, but the working of his vast strength. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, far above every power and dominion, far above every title given, far above everything that comes not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet. How many things? Everything. Why? Because he is the ruler over every ruler and authority. He has put everything under his feet and appointed him, him as head over, there's that word again, everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Philippians chapter 2 again, it says, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven, of those who are on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're either going to bow the knee now to him or you're going to do it later. Now's the better time. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ is the head over every ruler and authority. And he has chosen to use his position and his power on behalf of his people. Don't believe the lie that you can't live for him. Don't believe the lie that you will only fail you have been filled by him who is the head over every rule, every ruler and authority. He goes on, verse 11, You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. What in the world is he talking about? And I, Think about this. Circumcision was that Old Testament mark that you were one of God's people. It was that Old Testament mark that you belonged to the family of God. Way back in Genesis, he says, you are to undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. The sign of that covenant 
That covenant, you know, because of what? Because of who God is again. Here we go. Back to what we started with when we opened the service in Psalm 115. Back to that, that, that covenant between me and you. That, that circumcision was only, it was to signify the cutting away of sin. You know, that separation of the sin, undergoing a change of heart, being included in the family of God. Why do I say that? Well, because that's what God says. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Therefore, circumcise your hearts. Circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Boy, we need to hear that. Circumcise your heart. Don't be stiff-necked any longer. A little bit later, Deuteronomy 30. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. And the hearts of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart and with all your soul. The goal wasn't to have this physical symbol. The goal was that their hearts would be changed. Jeremiah chapter 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, that your heart might be changed. Men of Judah and residents of Jerusalem, otherwise my wrath will break out like fire and burn and no one extinguish it's that change of heart that he was looking for and here in verse 11 paul is making that connection you were circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh you were circumcised you will have that separation between those things which are not of god and what comes in god the circumcision in the messiah he says long before Long before the time of Jesus' incarnation, long before he came, the Jewish people had largely become people who were practicing a religion and had abandoned the relationship that circumcision was supposed to be a sign of. They had abandoned, they had long before abandoned what what it meant to live for him, what it meant to have their hearts change, to what it meant to be living from a new heart. And they had abandoned that, and instead they had replaced it with religion. And as long as they could do that little check mark and fill in the box that I have done this, Lord, that I went to the temple, that I made this sacrifice, that I put something in the offering, that I, that I, you know, that, that I, I only, you know, that I, that I didn't eat leaven bread you know during passover and and put in all those check marks and that's what they were living and paul is telling the colossians here and he is telling us that a relationship with with god is more than circumcision it is more than practicing a religion that a, a relationship with god is a belief that affects all your living because your heart has been changed It affects your living because your heart has been changed. And the circumcision of the Messiah signifies that relationship with with Christ Jesus. It signifies that relationship, that his death takes care of the problem that physical circumcision never could. Physical circumcision could never bring that forgiveness. And it's only through what Christ has done. Any physical right, no matter what it is, any physical right will never deliver us from the power of sin. It doesn't deliver us from the power of sin. Someone could be physically circumcised and remain spiritually uncircumcised. That's what Paul says in Romans. A man who is physically uncircumcised, but who fulfills the law, will judge you who are a lawbreaker in spite of having the letter of the law and circumcision. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. And true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary... A person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. That's man's praise. 
And that is not from men, but from God. See, an uncircumcised heart is someone who is living in rebellion to God. They are living and following their own heart and, and, and what they, you know, what they think is going to be best and what they think is going to, is going to bring, is going to bring them lasting peace and it, and it finds out it doesn't. 1.67 billion dollars that Powerball is. That's all I'd need. Because it'll change my life. You better believe it'll change your life. I saw an interview. Um, the newscaster was asking people, what are you going to do with that money? What would you do with that money? And I don't remember. I don't even know what the one guy said. But the reporter said, oh, that's a good idea. And he said, if I win this, I'm going to give it all to charity. And I thought, you're a liar. (laughs) Maybe he would. I don't know. I don't know the guy at all. You know, maybe he would. I don't know. But you see, we fall into things like this. And we fall into thinking that this is what's going to solve our problem. What's going to solve our problem is if we can only have more money. If we can only have a bigger house. If we can only have a different car. If we can only have a new pair of shoes. Whatever it is. And we think that this is what's, this is what's going to help us. And, uh, you know, and we live instead, instead of living for Christ, we are living in rebellion to Christ because we're looking to all these other things to fulfill only what Christ can in our life. It affects all your living. Everything you do. You know, someone with an uncircumcised heart is living in rebellion to Christ Jesus. They're living without that life-directing relationship to Christ. Our heart is circumcised in Christ when we come to faith. When we come to faith in Him, a belief that He's our, as our Savior, you know, that He is our Savior and, and that our living flows from that because our heart has been changed by faith in Christ Jesus. And because our heart has been changed, our life flows from that. You live what you believe to be true. You don't like how you're living? Change your belief. Change what you're believing. Not what you say you believe, but what you actually believe is how you live. John's pretty clear about this in the letter, in his letter, 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but First John back near in front of Revelation, which Pastor Kent is unfolding in a marvelous way for you on Wednesday evenings. But uh, the you know, uh, you, you, in, in the letter of First John, what he says, uh, this is a paraphrase. He says, you know, you dudes, that's how you know it's a paraphrase. He says, you, you know, you say you're living for Christ, you know, but, but your actions don't show it. And what he says is, and here's the quote, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. You're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because if the truth were in you, your heart would be changed and you would be living differently. You know, in this, you're, you live by what you believe. Verse 12, we need to pick up speed. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism is that identification for us. As circumcision was that identification for them. For us, circumcision is just a health issue, you know, and, and, and things. Uh, you know, but for, for them, it was more than that. It was that symbolism that they were in God. Baptism is that for us, that outward symbol of a changed heart. That's what it's supposed to be. <clears throat> Buried with him in baptism, raised with him through faith in the working of God. That, that baptism that is supposed to signify, you know, signify the washing away of sin and an undergoing a change of heart. 
That there is a difference now, that there is a renewal of our heart. This is that identification with Christ Jesus' sacrifice, the faith that changes our heart and affects our direction, affects our choices in living. It's that personal renewal by the Holy Spirit. Paul explains it this way to the Romans. He says, You are unaware that all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as we who are raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. That that baptism is to symbolize and to demonstrate visibly what happened as a result of your union with Christ through faith in his sacrifice for us, that you walk in a new way of life. Through Christ, we are united. You know, we are united with by faith with His death, burial, and resurrection, and that's symbolized through baptism. The point is not the baptism. That's not the point. The point is the relationship of faith with Christ Jesus, just as circumcision was meant to be. Now we're just going to read verse 13. I know we didn't read it at the beginning, but it, it ties right in with where we're at, and we're going to get into that more next Sunday. We're going to pick up with verse 13. And it's, unless I die, then Pastor Ken will be obligated to cover it for you. Uh, you know, verse 13, it says, And then when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. We live our new life with him. Not on our own. Not on our own. We're going to cover this more next week. Grasp these truths today. We have been filled by him. We have been filled by him. This is what it says. You know, so we have that power to help us live for him in all things. We have that power to help us live for him in all things. Why? Because we have been filled by him. We are circumcised in him giving us that new heart, giving us a heart that is now aligned with his. A heart, you know, that, that, that's what it's signifying, a heart that is now aligned with his, that we have cut away that old way of living, and we are living that new life in him. And then it says we have been buried, raised, and made alive with him to let the world know and to remind ourselves, you know, that we are new people in Christ. New people in Christ. Live your life by him, in him, and with him. Follow him. Follow him. Let's pray. Father, you have been very gracious to us and very patient with us. When we think of some of the foolish things we've done, and again, we could all put in a big list here, and we may not lose our jobs because of it, but... One of the great things is we don't have to lose our standing with you because of it. Because you went to the cross and you gave your life that we might be forgiven, that we might live in you. And it doesn't make light of sin at all. It recognizes and and lifts up your forgiveness. And, And what is ours, not because of us, but because of you. And it reminds us of that newness of heart that is to be ours as we live by you, as we live in you, as we live with you. Father, help us to follow you more, even this week than we did last week, that we will continue to be changed by your grace, by your love, by your forgiveness. Make us, again, new people, renewed and made new by the sacrifice of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.